This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. I'm going to cover just a couple of things on the last mountain we were on, and we're going to move on to Carmel. And uh, leading into that is going to be uh, probably several lessons, but it's, uh, it all boils down to spiritual battles. Okay, just a quick review on what we're, where we're heading and the history behind Elijah, leading up to Elijah. I'm going to cover a couple of verses I've already covered before to set the scene of, of how things went down. Starting with Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Just to recap on when we left Moriah, and it all has to do with where we are now and even in history right now. It's uh, all this mess going on in the Middle East. And uh, how the scene is actually set to where it could happen any moment. Well, you know, the rapture, it could happen any moment. Well, in Second Chronicles chapter 3, I'm not going to cover the history of David buying a threshing floor and everything that happened on Moriah from uh, uh, Abraham offering Isaac up and, uh, and the different things that happened on Moriah. But verse, chapter 3, verse 1 of Second Chronicles, it says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared the threshing floor of the Ornan the Jebusite. So just laying the scene of that right there, the temple had begun to be built. He built it right there, and it's right there in Jerusalem, right where David his father had built the uh, had altar on the threshing floor. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to lay the foundation to where Jesus himself is going to reign in Jerusalem. So this, this whole world has no idea what's happening. And it could be another thousand years. It could be tonight. I'm not going to put no dates on anything. But no matter what happens in history, the Lord Jesus Christ will reign on the throne of David forever. He's going to reign there. So regardless of what's happening anywhere in this world, what comes against Jerusalem right now, it, up or down, they're not going to fall. So let's, uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures real quick here as we uh, go through Isaiah chapter 2. And uh, then we're going to lead to Carmel and the setting, how Elijah came on the scene what led to his life. And then ultimately, maybe not this week or the next time I teach, the battle that Elijah had on Mount Carmel. Every single uh, mountain, significant mountain that's in the scripture from Genesis to the end, to Calvary, to the Mount of Olives, all of them, something happened on a mountain and it was just 
pretty cool. I'll get going here in a minute. Isaiah chapter 2. I'm just going to go over a couple of verses to show you. Jesus will reign on the house, on the throne of David. The 2 verse 1. The word of, the word that Isaiah, Isaiah, the son of Amos, Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. The mountains in this particular reference is talking about kingdoms, the kingdom, not a, not a mountain, mountainous region. I'm not going to develop that one, but a mountain in the scripture symbolizes it means a kingdom. And it shall be exalted above hills, above all kingdoms. That's basically what it's saying. And all nations shall flow into it. Many people shall go and come, go and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and we will teach us his ways and we will walk in the paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know, that, I don't think that's ever happened where the Lord, the word, where the whole world and the whole, all the nations flock to hear the word of the Lord coming out of Jerusalem. You know, that's never happened yet. Isaiah chapter 9. You'll see the importance of these scriptures I'm covering as we get further in the lesson here. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Then when does that happen? When has the government of Israel been on the shoulder of of the Lord. This is prophecy. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor and the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there shall be no end. There'll be no peace until Jesus comes. It won't be. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice and henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And uh, so regardless of what anybody thinks, what anybody says, the, the world philosophy, all these people marching and protesting around this world, waving these Palestinian flags, death to Israel, gas to Jews, they're going straight to hell. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just telling you, the Bible says that those that curse the Jews are going to be cursed. But this whole bunch... I'm going straight to hell. Everyone, there's, there, it comes to a, a point where there is no hope for these kind of people. They're, they're, that would be like somebody trying to tell you and convince you, you know what? Jesus ain't the one, man. It's Mohammed. You have got to go with Mohammed and forget this Jesus stuff. You know how hard that would be for me to do for you? These people are not turning to Jesus. I mean, I'm not saying that a Muslim can't be can't accept Christ. That can happen. But overall, as a nation, they're not turning to Christ. They're not turning to God, Jehovah. They're just not. And their ultimate destination is going straight to hell, every one of them. These people slaughtering babies, and I'm not going to be getting on that. Jeremiah chapter 3. This will all make sense as we get further along here. Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine own mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. 
That's happening even right now with our pastor. Every year we have a prophecy series. Pastors help us to understand where we are in history. And it shall come to pass, you be multiplied and increased in the land in those days, saith the Lord. They shall say no more. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they won't need the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not saying it won't be there because only God knows where it's at. But they won't need that Ark for the, for the Holy Spirit because Jesus himself will be there reigning. They shall say no more, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall they be done anymore. And at that time, at that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. All nations shall be gathered to it in the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after an imagination of their heart. Imagination of the heart is where we're getting ready to head. As, as Solomon passed on and the generation after him came up, they became evil which led up where we're going to, to, to actually Ahab taking over in, uh, in the battle. But we'll get there in a minute. Okay, let's try Zechariah chapter 14. Hang on just a second. I got to get to it. I thought I had it marked. But... Hang on just a minute. Zechariah chapter 14. Let's try verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. And there shall be one Lord and his name one. Okay, that's, we'll bounce back to that one later. I could go to Luke and then Micah and I've got several of them. That this just proves one thing. Jesus will reign on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. And there's nothing, anything in this world is ever going to stop it. And, and, and God has declared it. Where we left off the last time, I'm, I, that's going, that'll be talked about here in just a little bit. But in Joshua 8, verse 30, and here's where we left off last time. Joshua had just took over, dried up the Jordan River, the whole nation of Israel crossed over. They set up the, uh, the stones there on the side of the Jordan. Okay, Joshua chapter 8 and verse 30. And here's where Moses had told him, when you get into the, get into the promised land, Moses couldn't go, you put the blessings on Jerusalem and the cursing on Ebal. And here's where that happened, and then we're going to head straight into this morning's lessons, because this is kind of was just reviewing what we've covered. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Okay, here's where, here's, here's where I don't want to cover, cover back on the verses that that happened, but uh, you can write these down. Joshua, I mean, Deuteronomy 27 and Deuteronomy 8 through 11. Those two texts cover what Moses commanded Joshua to do, at this point right here is where we are in the lesson. Okay. Looking back, that's about five lessons. So I'm just skipping over that or I'd be teaching it again. So here we are. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. Half of the tribes of Israel went on Ebal and half went on Jerusalem. 
God had told Josh, Moses, and Moses told Joshua, when you get there, this is coming right into the West Bank, you go on to put the cursing on the ball and the blessings on Jerusalem. And once the blessings are on Jerusalem, then we're going to go into the land flowing with milk and honey. This is right, right when they came in. Okay. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, this is verse 31, the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of the whole stones which, over which no man hath lifted up any iron. And they offered these thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of all the children of Israel. Now you're talking a million and a half people. This is not so small thing. In the presence of the entire nation. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark and on the other side before the priests and the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the strangers, as he that was born among them, half of them against the Mount Jerusalem and half of them against Mount Ebal. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded them that they should bless the people of Israel. Afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all the law that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with women, with the little ones, with the strangers that were conversant with them. And so you got to understand where we are here, not a word of the law. So this wasn't just the Ten Commandments. This is, this is all the entire government, the entire law, every single thing that Moses, I mean, you go through the Levitical law, all of it, every single word that God spoke through Moses, through them, and uh, concerning the temple, concerning the, um, well, the, back then it was tabernacle, concerning the tabernacle, concerning the ark, concern, all of the blessings and all of the cursings, I mean, it's just pages and pages. I can't imagine how long it took for him to, to go through the entire law of Moses because here, here where we are here, when we, when we first cross over Jordan on dry ground and the whole nation is there, we've covered this the last time, that that generation that was complaining and murmuring and, 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 and all of these people that were just building idols and, and, and all this garbage died off in the wilderness. And these people, right before they crossed Jordan, they hadn't witnessed, majority of them had not witnessed crossing the Red Sea, had not wished, witnessed all the plagues, and had not witnessed the hand of God. So here they coming, on, coming across, they had to be shown something to have the faith, say, we, we're serving a mighty God. And so as the, the Jordan River, River dried up and they crossed over, that was just wild. I can't imagine this. They said it built up in a heap. The rivers stopped their flow coming down and then they crossed over. And so here, here they, a lot of these people had not heard the law. They, yeah, they heard past this one, past to this one. Yeah, it's just Ten Commandments. You can't steal. That's your brothers. But they had not heard the entire law. And so here he is now reciting the entire law to this entire nation of Israel who majority of them had n knew nothing about. Okay, so from here we go Let's to the lesson this morning. That just set the scene for the generations 
leading up to David, and I had wanted to cover the, where the threshing floor there, where, where the temp, first temple was built. Now we're going to skip to the generation of Solomon. Okay, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 6. All of this that I just covered will make sense here in a minute. Maybe not this time, but next time. 1 Kings chapter 6. To give you an idea of where we are, where we are in history right here is, is that as time passed on, chapter 6, verse 1, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's hard to comprehend how much time actually passes from one event to the other. It's not like this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened quickly like that. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel will come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziph, which was May, in the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So from crossing out of Egypt, 480 years. So it's like generation after generation after generation and multiplying and people, just a massive amount of people here in, this, in the nation. Okay, I just wanted to bring that up to just to show you, the, to conceive the, in, your, in our minds how much time is active. Look how, look how many people are in this country after the, just a couple of hundred years we've had. Okay, 480 years and they, and they already had a nation. Okay. 1 Kings chapter 11. Well, let me go back. Let me read one. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 11. Yeah, let's go there. I'm going to have to skip on ahead here to get up to where we're heading to. Chapter 11. Okay. Now this, this right here, I don't know how many times I've rehearsed this in my mind and just can't understand how Solomon asked for wisdom of God. He governed the nation of Israel. And he had, he was so close to God. David, his father, was so close to God. Look what happened to him. The pastor has said many times before in, his, in his, a lot of his, don't never say never. Don't never say, that couldn't happen to me. Don't never say, I wouldn't do that. Don't never judge our brother. And it's easy to judge him, you know, on, uh, on how they're living. You know, that's wrong. But we can't pronounce judgment on people and say, you know, that's wrong. I, although I just did on these Muslims. But I mean, I, I can't sit there and judge you for what you're doing. Your convictions are not mine. Every single one of us live like we believe is right. I live by the way I think is right. And it may be totally wrong to you. It may be totally, completely wrong. And even some of the things in God's eyes. Follow me down the road sometimes. You'll see, Daddy, God ain't leading me to do what I do sometimes going down the road when I talk to somebody stupid. I mean, he just don't. He, he wants me to love, but sometimes I just don't love because of stupidity. I just can't love stupidity. That's just my nature. Ignorance. I can tolerate ignorance because you can fix ignorance with knowledge. Stupidity, there's no hope for it. It's not. Um. So first, first Kings chapter 11, imagine this, King Solomon. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together, daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Edomites, the Edomites, the Zidonites, the Hittites, of all nations concerning which the Lord said 
unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall ye come unto them, for surely they will turn your heart away after their gods. And Solomon claved to them in love. To me, that's a whoremonger. And, 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 and here's, here's, here's where I'm getting at with that is Jesus himself said, I'm going to reign in, on the throne of David. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer, but God forgave him and, and his heart turned towards God. And, and it was a man after God's own heart. But there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from, a, from if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He will forgive. Now that doesn't give us a license to get out here and practice sin. But I'm, I'm, I'm 100% certain Solomon didn't go to hell. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that. And we'll cover a little bit more about that. But can you imagine today what people would think of any man that behaved himself like this? He had 700 wives. My goodness. 700 wives. <laughs> just, that's all I can do to, to handle one. 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. How is this possible? How? And it came to pass when Solomon was old. Usually when we get old and we're close to death and we know it's, hey, it, if God blesses us to where we get, we, uh, we're fortunate to get 60, 70 years old, that's when we need to get close people because we don't have long left. But it says here, it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. How? How could the king who, who oh God, give me wisdom to, to, to lead this many people. My father passed on to me the, 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 the love of God. Now I'm going to go bow down to this golden calf over here because this woman right here, I won't be able to have her unless I bow down to this calf. So I'm going to bow down to this calf for lust. I'm not saying, I'm not, I can't sit there like, like Sam said, I wouldn't do it. I'm not, some, I don't know what, what it would take for me to bow down to a golden calf, brother. I don't know. I, I don't want to say impossible, but I can say impossible because my life verse, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I can, in my own mind now, my own heart now, I can say, I would rather die a horrible death. I would rather die decapitation in front of you, brother, than to bow down to a golden calf. I can't see that in my heart. I can't see how he let that happen in his life. I just can't see it. In the verse 6, And Solomon did evil in their sight, in the sight of the Lord, and went full went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Now, why am I covering all this? To show you what's happened to his children, the the next kingdom after Solomon died, leading up to Ahab who who brought in the prophets of Baal and uh, were leading to Elijah on Mount Carmel, which I won't get to that this time. But uh, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 12, 
Well, let's, let's go to 11 here. Chapter 11, verse 41. The rest of the Acts of Solomon and all that he did in his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned over Jerusalem, over Jerusalem reigned in Jerusalem over his, all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and were buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, 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 his son, reigned in his stead. So Solomon's gone. And what did he do for his children? What example did he what example did he provide for his children for the next kingdom, the next king of Israel coming up in his stead? Anything goes, right? I mean, well, my daddy did. I remember witnessing for years and years and years to a fellow in, at work. And he said, I want to go where my dad went, and I'm living like my dad lived. He would never accept Christ, but never deny him. But he, you know, he believed, but he didn't accept, if that makes sense. And you know, the, you know how that goes. The devil believes. But, you know, when you, when you ask him, you know, what would keep you from getting saved? Well, if, if that was the way, my dad would have told me. Well, okay, you know, you can't argue with, in a group. You just can't argue in a group. You can't debate in a group. You can't debate any time, really. But you can intelligently explain things. Okay, so now Rehoboam takes charge. All right, let's see. First Kings chapter 12, verse 28. Oh, that's 13. This is, where, this is where Solomon's life ultimately led his children. Coming up on it, verse 28. This is uh, Rehoboam. Let's go to verse uh, 20 of chapter 12. And it came to pass when all of Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, and they sent called him to congregation and made him king of all Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. There's a remnant that was left. That'll be important here and later when we get to it. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin and a hundred and four score thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against the house of Israel and to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto the house of Judah, Benjamin, and the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up and fight against your brethren and the children of Israel. Return every man to the house, for this thing is far from me. This thing is, is from me. And they hearkened. Therefore, unto the word of the Lord, and returned and departed according to the word of the Lord. Here's where I'm going in verse 28. When the king took counsel, this is the king of Israel, folks, made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Look, forget that feast. This is what he's saying. Look, there's time for a feast up there. We'll make our own feast. We'll even change the date. We're just, we're going to be, these are your gods. We're going to make these calves of gold. 
Here, look at this. This is just crazy. It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold, thy gods of Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know, forget that God. These, these calves right here, they're the ones that brought you out of Egypt. I, I don't understand. I just don't understand it. How somebody can sit there and say a dead idol has any power at all to do anything but stand there, sit there. And you're going to say, oh, go, calf, thank you for bringing me out of Egypt. You've done all these mightiful works. You, pie, you split the Red Sea, oh, golden calf. It's just, it's just, it blows my mind how ignorant people can be. Verse 29, and he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan, and this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of, he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people which were not the sons of Levi's. Here they are even making the priests who God commanded earlier that the priests will be Levi's, Levites. Here they say, okay, we'll just, we'll just, any, anybody that wants to be a priest, raise your hand. We'll let you come on up here and sacrifice. Bring it on up here. Sacrifice to these gold calves. And, uh, and Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month. See, he even changed the month. This is November. In the 15th day of the month of November instead of in the 15th day of October. Like unto the feast that is in Judah, he tried to mock it. This is all, this is an anti-God, an anti-Christ. He's always try, trying to get the people to believe something that God didn't say and make it seem true. Like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered there upon an altar, as did in Bethel, sacrificing unto calves, and he made, and that he had made, and he placed Bethel, in Bethel, the priest of the high places which he had made. And he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel, which he made in the 15th day of the eighth month, even the month which he had devised in his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered and burnt on, upon the altar and burnt incense. Okay, now we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 9. Trust me, just hang on. We're heading to Carmel. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 9, verse 8. Okay, let's try verse 7. So, uh, 1 Kings 14, 7. Go, go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I have exalted thee among all the people and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to thee. Yet thou hast not been my servant as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do that which was only, which was right in mine eyes. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee. Can you imagine a king of Israel doing more evil than anybody prior to him ever? And a king, this king. For thou hast gone after, and made the other gods molten images to provoke me to anger, and thou hast cast me behind thy back. And you know, that's, that's happening a lot today. 
we'll go through our own Christian lives, walk, walk, walking through a thing, and things come up to where God's on the back burner until we need him. Like the pastor tells sometimes, let's rub a, rub a genie in a bottle. Oh, Lord, I need you. Thank you, Lord. And then you go on about your business and keep going. And, 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 and then, oh, I need you, Lord, rub, it, rub it the bottle and expecting him to pop out. It don't happen that way. But he has turned his back on you. Okay. 15, let's go to 15.4. We're hidden there, I'm telling you. We're going to go start covering the life of Elijah here very shortly. And it's all about spiritual battle. The battle on Carmel was spiritual. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 4. Nevertheless, David, for David's sake, had nothing to do with these people because they had turned their back on God. But Jesus Christ, remember we talked when we first opened up the lesson that, that Jesus is going to reign on the throne of David forever. God has ordained the throne of David in Jerusalem that the throne of David will be the place where Christ himself will reign forever. Okay, and this is uh, where, where all of that led up to this verse here. Nevertheless, for David's sake, as the Lord God did give him a lamp in Jerusalem, to set up his son after him and establish Jerusalem because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, so 16 verse 25. Now through a course of time that we already, we just talked about 480 years from, from coming out of Egypt to Solomon building the temple on the threshing floor in Moriah. So we don't know that the scriptures doesn't, we just know that it's two generations here, two different kings that came on the scene right here, right before Elijah came. So we're talking about more years and years and years of time. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 25. Now this is the son of a, let me find it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that. Okay, but verse 25 of chapter 16. Here's the new king. But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. Now we just, we just heard that Jerobam did. Now the rest of the acts that Omri did, and did with his might that he with his, and his might that he showed are not written in this book of Chronicles, but the king of the kings of Israel. And then Omri slept with his fathers. So you're talking about three generations now, right? And was buried in Samaria, Samaria and Ahab. And here's where we're heading into Carmel. And I don't know, you know, I just got about five minutes here. But we're heading for the spiritual battle on Carmel, and there's a whole lot leading up to Elijah's life, you know, and uh, and and you won't want to miss it. I'm not going to be able to cover all of that. Into Samaria, and Ahab his son reigned instead. In the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, began Ahab the son of Omri. Now the son, of, now Omri had raised Ahab to do nothing but worship golden calves, to do nothing but worship battles, to do nothing but just do everything against what God had said. We just covered how they even changed the date of the feast. They even changed the dates of the Feast of Tabernacles. They even changed to different dates and said, 
these calves are what brought you out of Egypt. Not God, but these calves. So we're going to sacrifice on these days. Changed everything. Now Omri has taught Ahab these evil ways. Okay. Verse, verse uh, 30 of 16. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of, of, of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass that it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jehovah. And it came, sin was easy for him. He, he had no knowledge of, he knew that there had to be a God, but all he did was, it came, like a lot of Christians today, living against God's will, living against, living in sin becomes, we get so tolerant for, I mean, who'd have thought 20 years ago that we'd be where we were today? Sin has become so accepted in this world today that, is, that, that, that there's no conviction. There's, there's, the power of the Spirit of God has no longer started convicting a lot of people in this world about anything. Anything goes. I mean, look at the murder. How? how there's bloodshed so many all over this world every single day for nothing. All right. That's not where I wanted to go, but this is where it ended up. And it came to pass, verse 31, as if, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in sins of Jehovah, the son of Nebat, that he took the wife, took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabal, king of the Zidonians, and went up and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reeled up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Now these are descendants of Solomon. You know where it started? Back in Solomon, where he had all of a sudden 700 wives, 300 concubines, and all these people, and went after chasing gods after all these people for lust, and turned his back on God and started bowing down to these idols himself for lust, passed on through generation after generation to these generations to where we are right now, where, where the sins of the Father, is, it's, the Bible says somewhere, I don't have it right now, I wish I had written it down because this didn't come to me not right now. But the sins of a father can visit to five generations. It can. And that's in Scripture. It's not saying it's a case 100%, but that's what it says. It can visit. Okay. And reared up an altar for Baal, this is verse 32, in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Okay, I'm going to end up stopping here. But Elijah was on the scene. It doesn't say where he came at this point. We'll cover that the next time. But he had enough. There's always a remnant. There's always a somebody to stand up and say, we're not doing that. We're just not going to do it. And... uh Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna have. I won't have time to finish developing that. But we're gonna head on into uh, the battle on Carmel. The next time I teach. So we're we're covering all the mountains of God. Everything that happened on the mountains went to Ararat. 
there was five lessons on that. Went to Moriah, there was five lessons on that. You know, we, 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 we just, we, we went to Ebal, Gerizim, you know, and uh, it, it's been a fascinating study for me. I've grown tremendously studying them, but we're at the point now through, through, to where we're heading to Carmel. And this battle on Carmel, folks, is not much different than our battle in our lives today. It's a spiritual battle. We're fighting against an evil that wants to make Satan God. And they don't, they don't recognize it as Satan. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's just, as I see what's happening to not only our country, but this nation of Israel, as we covered in the first part of this lesson here, Christ is going to reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem right there on Moriah forever. And we've showed scripture for that. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.